Hi guys, welcome to the Premium Property Podcast. Today we have Craig Sullivan, aka Property Apprentice, on the podcast. Welcome, Craig. Thanks for having me, Jess. No problem, it's a pleasure. So, Craig, tell us a bit about yourself and your background before property. Sure, so my name is Craig Sullivan. Um, I am the managing director of a company called Student House Gillingham, and we are a property management company based in Medway. Um, that specialises in student HMOs. Um, I'm also known as, like you said, the property apprentice, um, where I'm uh, notorious for my morning motivational singing and uh, miming and dancing and all the rest of it as well. So I, I try to yeah, greet you in the morning with some, some strong energy and uh, get you out of bed to, to crack on with your day. So, uh, so yeah, where was I at before property? Um, I worked in the corporate world. Um, I worked for MTV, um, where I was in the channel distribution team, uh, sorry, content distribution team, and um, that basically helped me um, selling a catalogue of content. So as you know, MTV has shows like MTV Cribs, uh, Geordie Shaw, stuff like that, so um, I would help sell that and log that uh, wherever he sold it um, across Europe, Middle East and Africa. Um, so yeah, it's a great company to work for. It was, um, yeah, it was fantastic. It was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a hard transition. Um, leaving that, so I, I worked really hard to get to that company, to get to that position. And so leaving that company to come uh, working full time was tough, but ultimately I, I made the right decision. Yeah, so... You said that you it was a good company to work for, and did you enjoy the job when you had it? Oh yeah, it, it was one of those things. Like MTV, everyone's heard of MTV, um, and it wasn't just MTV that we looked after. So that was probably the, like the main brand. We also like managed the the kids' channel Nickelodeon, so we had a load of content there that we helped distribute. Uh, and what was the other one? It was uh, Paramount, Paramount Pictures. So there's a few movies there that we that we helped. Um, that we helped distribute. So the perks, that, that kind of company, that much brand presence and power, there's a lot of perks that go with it. So um, so yeah, I was really proud of the fact that I managed to work for, for such a big company, a well-known company. And yeah, they, they really looked after you as an employee. Their, their offices are super cool. Like, I don't know, they had like, uh, obviously all, all the um, show guests would come in now and again for like a, a Q&A. So you met, and on my first day, I met all the Geordie Shaw lot in the reception. <laughs> so I had to get like, a selfie with them. I was like, come in. They were like, who is this guy? I was like, my first day. And they were like, my God, you're mad. Um, but that was really decent. So, uh, so no, I, I love, I really did. I loved working in London at the time. But at the end of the day, what it boiled down to, it was, it was just a job at the end of the day. It was me working for someone. Uh, I knew deep down I wanted more, uh, hence why I made the leap of faith and um, I got cracking in the, in the property game and I, I really went for it. Yeah, so what exactly was it that appealed to you to get into property? Basically, while I was in the corporate world, would I, one of the big reasons for it, yes, good question, so one of the big things that I noticed in the corporate world was that a lot of my um, colleagues, although they were paid with their job, fact of the matter is they would miss really important moments like with their families with their kids and stuff like that and, I, and that's what I thought Jesus so if I was my own boss I could go home and play with my kids and enjoy those moments when they're young whereas um, yeah people 
friends of mine in, in the companies, they, they couldn't do that. After the baby was born, they had a certain amount of time they had to come back to work. And they were like, oh man, I really want to go home. And, and I could see that they were suffering for it. So that was partly the reason. I knew there was a lot more freedom involved with running your own business, um, especially commuting. So obviously I, I, I lived in Kent at the time. Um, and the commute going to London, that adds to the adds to the pressure, doesn't it? I guess it's, it's like an hour on the train there, hour on the train back. That hour you could be spending either doing things in your own business or spending it with family and friends. So, um, so yeah, the, it was the more freedom that, that maybe would do the property thing. Um, as well, I knew it, it would be a vehicle for wealth. As well, everyone I know that's in property and, and have done it well and successfully are, are, are really wealthy. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I need to um, I need to pursue it. And as well as I looked at what I can bring to the table in property, I have my dad a builder. So I, I've learned tricks of the trade there. I know to do basic plumbing. A little bit of electrics, decorating, guttering, small bit of roofing. So all of those little things built up my arsenal, so I could go and and basically crack the pop again. Yeah. So it it sounds like freedom aspect mainly that attracted you. So yeah. did you start investing on the side when you had your job? Yeah, that's it. I I yeah. So I thought, you know what, I want a house. I want to get into the property games like as soon as I was earning money I thought right what could I spend this money on I thought flash cars and stuff like that and my dad drilled it into me that yeah you don't want to be spending all your money on cars and clothes or watches and all of that he said that it's just a waste what you want to do is focus on buying assets and then once you've got enough money once you're, you can afford to then start doing it that, that way so I took his advice on and um so yeah, when, when I started earning money, I started saving, I had a big pot of money, and then I went to auction with my dad, and um, basically bought my first one that, and then, then I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this to uni, because while I was at uni, the properties there was crap, like there was, there was like there, I said my podcast, they were very basic, like they were just like single beds, you had one chest of drawers, a small desk, a chair, and a few shelves. It was really like, oh, this is, even my mum, when she dropped me off um, to the house that I lived at, she started crying and she left me. She thought, oh my God, I can't believe I'm living with my son in this kind of place. But I thought, man, it's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very basic. So I knew that was the, the standard and I knew what my dad was capable of because obviously I worked with him in his house. So I thought, you know what, there's a gap in the market here we can do this and that was always at the back of my mind obviously I was only what not 18, 19 when I went to uni so I didn't have the cash then but that was where I knew I had to go uh, in order to, to crack it and I, I saw the opportunity there so then it was up to me to get that money to make it happen so I while I was at uni I was working at a nightclub um, I was doing like side hustling like selling clothes um, then I landed this placement in, for Disney so I worked uh, then they offered me a full time role so then that meant more money, and then I saved up a bulk, and um, yeah, basically went to auction to buy my first one, which was documented by Homes Under the Hammer. Um, and yeah, it, it all kind of snowballed from there. That's great. So how old were you when you bought this property, and how long into your career were you? So, the, the, yeah, so the very first property I bought was Skinner Street, which is what I... Um, put 
deposit towards. So my dad brought it out in cash, but I put the deposit towards it because we bought an auction. And that's why where I stayed while I was at uni. And my friends would come in and be like, Craig, who's your landlord? And I was like, oh, it's my dad. And like, oh my God, can we have your house next year? Like, these were kids a year below. I said, yeah, I'll put, I'll put him in touch with you. And um, then my dad would be like, Craig, I've got all these kids ringing me. Can you just deal with it? They're your friends. You know what to say and do. You deal with it. So I was like, okay, I'll deal with it. And this was all like while I was working in London for Disney. So I'm, I'm an intern. meant to be cracking on my work. And I'm getting phone calls and stuff like that. Just, repeating myself and I'm like yes it has four beds yes all bills included yeah they're double beds so I thought there's got to be an easier way around this so what I did was I created a website so that I could put pictures on there and direct them to that so I don't have to repeat myself um, and then one day a landlord found the website and I, I completely wasn't expecting it so I had a missed call on my phone they left a message I listened to it on my break and it was a landlord going, hi, hi I've seen your ad, uh, website, um, do you manage properties? And I was like, whoa, whoa, I don't do landlords, but whoa. <laughs> and then, uh, so I rang my dad, I was like, dad, you're never going to believe this, but a landlord has just found our website, or my website, what shall I say, what shall I do? Because just be honest, explain that you're, you're a private landlord, um, this is how you run your student property, um, and if she wants to speak to you, then so be it, but just be honest. So I was like, cool. So I met up with her, and uh, it was, she, she did professional set. And she said, Craig, I am at the end of my tether with this property. I've got four people in the house. One of them, he um, smokes weed every other night, pisses off the other tenants. I've got one girl, she's really rude. I've fallen out with her. I've had enough. I'm going to sell it. You're my last point of uh, contact before I do. Um, and oh yeah, and she said, I've been through all the agents in the high street, they're crap, they don't know how to deal with this, and yeah, I, I just want an easy way out. So I thought, okay, um, well, this is how I manage it. Um, I think I can get you uh, X amount, I can't remember what it was now, I think it was like 3.90 per month per room, she was happy with that. And uh, she literally just went, right, here's the keys. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have to sign something <laughs> to do all you can manage it. So, she, um, yeah, so I, I managed to get the agent agreement from my dad's friend who works in an agency. I printed that out, um, got her to sign that, so it was all, all legit. And I managed to find, ten, um, I think it was in two days. I filled the house in two days. And uh, that was on the weekend. And uh, that's when I thought, okay, I'm getting good at this now. This is my house, uh, twice in a row. I, I filled this lady's house, I filled my dad's house. I'm getting, I'm getting good at this. So, um, yeah, it just picked up, picked up. She then introduced me to more friends of hers who, who had properties in the area. Um, and, and yeah, it just grew and grew. Yeah, so sounds like uh, just shows the power of, I guess, putting yourself out there. You've made that website and then from yeah. there it snowballed, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. Uh, unexpectedly as well, because as I said, I, I was just a landlord for my properties, you know? That was it, that was my vision. I go, okay, I'll build them up one by one, steadily. And then all of a sudden, boom, a landlord calls me, you manage my property. I'm like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought, do you know what? Well, you, let's just go with it, let's see where it goes to. That, that's my motto, just, just go with it, see where it goes. If it doesn't work, you can always say thanks, but no thanks. So um, we took it on and off. I actually ended up buying the house as well. <laughs> That landlord's house, yeah, she ended up selling it because she had a kid 
couple of years ago, I think about four years ago, and she said, look, I want to cash out, I need to upgrade my home in London, I need the equity that's in the house, do you know anyone? And I said, oh, I do. And, uh, so, uh, we did, I, I did a direct to vendor deal, and um, yeah, it worked really well. And I've still, still got that house as well, bought that home with an investor. So, yeah. So, at what stage of your property career did you leave your job? Yeah, so I left my job in two, officially in 2016, March 2016. Um, yeah, so basically, yeah, my income matched my uh, income probably when I was 25. And then that's when I kind of should have left. I think that's when I, left. When I worked at Disney. But I thought, you know what? I want to go to MTV because I've never worked at MTV before. And do you know what? Let's give it a spell. Let's see what they're like. So I worked for Disney. Let's get MTV on the CV as well. Um, so I was curious, um, and I've heard big things. So I went there. But you, you'll be surprised that when you when you mapped your income, you become so confident because would you you could get sacked tomorrow and you'll still be all right because you've got your income from your property. You know. So I was walking out. I wasn't. You just have that confidence that no one can sack you, or if they do sack you, or if you get made redundant, whatever, you're safe because of that income. Uh, and I was quite smart with it. Like I said, I wasn't spunking it on, on stupid things. I was putting it aside because once I had the first, like, once I matched my income, I thought, you know what? I'm only young. I've already matched my income. Let's really scale this up. I, I can get some good money out of this, you know? Um, and I could build a bigger business and, and just scale. Um, so that's what I focused on. I just honed it all in and, and just started buying houses as, as much as I can. Yeah, so were you, at that point, were you focusing more on the management of properties or building your own portfolio? Good question. So, yeah, by, by the time that I left, I probably had about 25 properties all in all. So that, that includes my own and managed properties. So it was funny because, obviously, I never told work I was doing this. So when I said, oh, I'm into property, that was the thought, oh, he's only got one or two houses. He hasn't got 25 <laughs> fucking HMOs, you know? So, uh, yeah, so my phone, honestly, my, while, I was, while I was at work, my phone was going constantly. Because obviously, at that time, I was only online-based. I was, I was just online, it was just the website. So I had everything coming through to my phone and email. So uh, I, it, I was working basically nine to five and then working on the business five to nine it was non-stop it was, it was full on um, and that's why I should have left sooner because it got to a point where it was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um, with manufacturing issues and stuff like that and like leaks that like urgent ones I was like whoa, whoa, whoa I, I, I have to really be really to deal with this stuff otherwise yeah, it's just not going to work so um, so yeah during the time when I left I had about 25 houses um, all of which were space as well here in Gillingham. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to, because in my head I thought, I'm going to leave in the next 12 months of work. I, I know I am. Uh, and I need, to, I need to start up an office and then this office that you see behind me um, came up for grabs just to rent. So I thought, you know what, that is perfect. And, and the mad story about this office is we own a house three doors down from it. There was a student letter. My dad noticed a tile that was... Uh, dislodged and he rang me and he said Craig you, you need to come down this weekend to help me get on the roof and fix the tile or it's going to be leak 
So it was a Gillian Ashley yeah. fight, so I came down the weekend and on the corner where this office is, there was, it, I've always seen this office and I thought, oh, that would make the perfect student letting office, that would because it's perfect location here. It's like the, the uni campus and halls are about a two minute walk from it. So it is perfect location. So I always put it back in my mind, that would be a lovely office to have one day. Anyway, so I helped my dad up, and, and it was a, an old alloy refurbishment place, but it was always closed. I, I never see anyone coming in and out of here. All the, all the windows were boarded up. It was tired. It was, it was a bit of an eyesore. I never saw anyone in here, ever, ever, ever. And then, um, so I was helping my dad, and he was up the ladder, sort of the rope tile. And I looked at the corner of my eye, and I saw someone going in the office on, this, on the corner. I thought, so I said, Dad, wait there. And then I said, Dad, wait there. So I went up to the office, knocked on the door, and I said, look, I'm really, really sorry to interrupt. I said, my name's Craig. Um, I'm, I'm opening up a, a, a business in the next six to six months. And I just wanted to see if this office was available, because I've, I've tried tried to get to see someone, and I've never seen anyone here. And a woman was in there. She said, yeah, you're, um, let me speak to my husband. And then her husband popped his head out, and he said, oh, you're in luck. I said, why? He goes, um, the person who... who, who basically rented this from me, he's gone under. His business has gone under and um, his lease runs out in two weeks. And I said, brilliant. So I said, well, how can we do this then? He said, well, you can have it as of two weeks. I said, brilliant, what's the rate? And uh, I think he wanted something stupid like 300 pounds a month. And I was like, oh my God, God. I was like, mate, I'll give you 350 pounds a month and I'll do all the work to this, to this office. And he was in a bit of a state. I just said, if you could clear it, because it had all the alloys and paint cans and loads of stuff in it. I said, if you can clear it, I'll do all the work to do it. I'll make it, yeah, much better. That's what I do. And he said, okay, yeah, we could agree to that. And then um, my dad walked in. He was like, what the hell's going on? I said, Dad, I've, I've just secured an office. He went, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I've just secured an office with John. John, this John, this is my dad. Dad, is my dad. What have you done? Like, you're, you're mad. But he knew, I told him what I wanted to do, so he, he just couldn't believe how it came about, and neither could I. It was just mad that we were fixing that tile, and I saw John walking in like, It was madness. Like, it was meant to be. Um, and obviously, far up sports Day. Obviously, I own this now. Uh, well, the company that I run own this, and we own flats above it. What the whole whole block? So, uh, so yeah. But to answer your question, I I done it gradually. Yeah. So I already had an existing business before I jumped ship. Yeah. Yeah. So with the uh, office, I guess it's just the fact that you took action as soon as you saw the opportunity, whereas most people would probably overthink and put it off but you saw the opportunity and just ran and got it I guess. So with sourcing, sorry, would you say that that's probably the best way to start in property and then learn your way from there? I'd say so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because the more you, more exposure you get to going on viewings, knowing what to look for, knowing the market, knowing the tenants that are in that area, um, the, the better you become and, and then, yeah, you your strategy becomes clear and you know what you want. So with me, it's always been students because I hang around with students. I went to their houses as mags because I had my friends around here. All of their houses were crap. I go into the houses and I was like, oh my God, you've got like damp and mould there. Why haven't you reported that? And they're like, we have. We reported it like a month ago and nothing's happened. So it's like in itself. It's all this data gathering that, okay, the service is crap. The properties are crap. There's a gap here for me to improve on that. 
that these poor guys paying 400 a month in this house, they could pay 400 in my house. Does that make sense? So, yeah, just exposing yourself, getting all the market intel, absolutely. So the more you're sourcing, the more you're talking to agents, like letting and property uh, estate agents, the, the better, because then you'll know the hot areas. And as well, when you're sourcing, um, something I advise everyone to do is just stick to your word. Don't bullshit, because your, your reputation is everything in business. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that, yeah, if I say to a, a, an agent, look, I'll buy this house, I'll go through your broker, I'll go through your solicitors, then they're more likely to give me the deal. And I've, I've got so many deals that way. Because some people say, oh, you should go prepared, you should have your own mortgage broker, you should have your own legal um, surveyor, and you should have your own solicitor. Yeah, that, that's good, that only works to a certain extent, but you've got to realise that everyone is in this to make money and gain. It's the way the world works. So if I, if I said to you, for example, guy, that, yeah, okay, I've, I've, I've got my own solicitor and I've got my own stuff, but then I've got another guy, and then he'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll make the same offer, but I'll, I'll take your solicitor and your broker, that way you get a kickback. You, you're going to go with the latter. Even if I increase my offer, I've had agents that have said, yeah, we've had a higher offer, but you're more qualified. By, by, by me, oh, you're giving me a drink, so we're going to go with your offer. It's the way the world works. <clears throat> so yeah, I just, I just be, be, um, be conscious of that as a deal sourcer. So with the, say if you were using the agents, solicitors and brokers, yeah. what if they weren't good and didn't do a good job? If they weren't good, um, to be fair, I've never had, well, if they weren't good, then yeah, then you've got every right to say, look, I've tried your guy, I've, I've tried, it's not like I haven't tried, I went through you, they haven't delivered, I'm going to change to my guy. Yeah, there, there's always that. I'll be honest, that's never happened to me because in order for an agent to put forward someone, they've got to be good, otherwise it's their neck on the line. You know, so thankfully I've never had that happen to me. But yeah, it's a good question. If, if there ever was a time where, yeah, they, they got something wrong or they were slow or non-respondent or just outright crap, then by all means you could say, look, I've tried your guy, they're crap, these are the reasons why I'm leaving you, I'm sorry, here's my guy, can you please transfer everything into this guy's name instead. So yeah, that, that's, how, that's how I would it. So if you use the agent's power team, would you pay the fee and then the agent take a cut of that? Is that how it works? That's it, exactly. Yeah, yeah so the the solicitor will obviously go, here's my fee, let's just say it's about £800, and then from that 800 I think the agent will probably get a £100 kickback. Oh yeah. So you're an agent as well. Do you have your own power team that you use for your landlords? I do for maintenance. That's it. That, that's the only thing I do for maintenance. We don't do mortgage brokers. We're only a letting agency here. Oh yeah. So um, so yeah, we only yeah. If, if you if you guys want me to do like a, an ensuite for you, which is a common one, or any. I know, any job really, then yeah, if you want to use my people, because obviously you've got to understand that I've spent time building up this team, I think it's only fair that I would charge it a, a, a small bit, and, and if you thought I was unreasonable, then you can go and look yourself, but um, I try to be as reasonable as possible, um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we're, we're, we're all in this to make money at the end of the day, I'm not a charity, I'm not going to do it for free, uh, and what I can reassure you on is that if it's through for me, I'll make sure the job's done. Because you hear nightmare stories where uh, the landlord's gone on the cheap, he's got his Mr. Cap, 
they've done a run of his money, the tenants are pissed off because their house is still ruined, their landlord's annoyed, I'm annoyed because the, the tenants are on my back going, why is it been done? Um, and then I end up sorting it out anyway. So it, it's one of those things, so if, if it's me doing it, I've got, yeah, it, it's just reassuring for me, so you, you pay a little bit of a premium for that thing. Yeah, I guess it's just networking the area and that reputation. And, and by all means, we've had to kiss a few frogs to get to our princes. Like we've gone through a, a few agents and uh, sorry, a few uh, tradesmen. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think it's well, perfect weight in gold. If you can go off someone's recommendation and they can handle it, just just give it to yeah. them because if you've got a life to live, you've got money to make, you can focus on other things. Why would you focus on something that you don't know much about? Um, and yeah, we've well, got. There, who you pay anyway to manage the property, just let them deal with it. But, but not, not everyone works like that. In terms of tradesmen, do you have any tips or advice on how to find good tradesmen? Again, go off recommendations, that's the only thing you can do. Inspect their work, don't be afraid to scratch beyond the surface. So if, if they say who they say they are, then just ask them, like, oh, okay, so have you worked on like, something like this before? Have you got any references I could just call up? Because if they're legit, no one will give two two tosses. If, if you said to me, Craig, can I have a landlord reference? I'll give you a list. I'll go, well, which one? Well, I'll have them all. Well, I'll, 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 I'm proud to, to, to give you a reference. Um, and and that's, that's how it should work. So yeah, I would say just definitely do your due diligence on them. Um, depending on the scale of the project. So if it's like a, like, I don't know, like an ensuite that may just get one or two references. But if it's full on, like property refurb, like 50 grand, something like that. Um, you probably need to go something a little bit deeper to say that look, this is the agreed payment schedule, um, consequences if that doesn't happen, um, communication, how you'd like to be communicated, just go into it more depth because there's a lot more risk the higher the volume um, of the payments. So yeah, that, that's how I'll reserve. Yeah. So in terms of the student letting side, yeah. what would you say are a few major benefits and drawbacks of the student lessons method? Yeah, so the thing that I love, well I'll start from the top, so the thing I love about student lessons is it's government funded, I'd say about 80% of it is government funded through student loans. Oh yeah. So you, yeah, that's hard, that's hard to find. The only other the only other tenant segment that gets that is the benefit tenants. But then they're like, yeah, they're, they're notorious for, for um, being like in, uh, yeah, low the bracket, they, they've been through hard times, um, like ex-drugs, um, alcohol, abuse, stuff like that. So they've had a bit of a rough time. So that's why I like students, because they're, they're young, they're vibrant, um, they're, they're the future. And, they're, and when, you, when you work with students, you get that energy, because they're, they're full of energy. They're like, yes, get, come on, let's do it. They're very um, positive about the future, and I, and I love that. And I, that's something I've definitely noticed. So that would be number one, is um, that they're government funded, and then anyone who doesn't pay up by the student loan usually pays in advance. So we have a lot of international students that come, and if they have a UK school, then they go, Craig, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the, for the 11 months. So this year, my ha one of my houses got filled with five international students, and they paid me like 23 grand up front, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, so I did like a little video on it and on Insta, I did like a little dance in the office. It was called like a tw 23 grand dance or something, it was, it was good. It felt good. 
So um, that's that's why because you you look at HM, the professional HMI market, you don't get that, and that's another thing. You get a group of you, a group of you that rent a whole house rather than individuals coming in like with professionals. It, yeah, it just works. Right. A lot more smoother um, with with students. Um, another thing with students as well is it, it's um, you can put them all on a joint tenancy if there's a group of them, which is more security for the landlord. Because if one person drops out, then the other three or, or whoever's on the tenancy have to pick up the slack. So, um, and as well, if you all know each other, less likely to leave and leave the others in the lurch because you know them and you that report them. So, so that's another reason. Uh, the other reason which I've touched upon as well was the UK Karen Tour stuff. So um, as a student, because uh, you're a young adult, you haven't real credit score or, or track record of credit, your parents are more likely to all come and give you the guarantor on their behalf, which is great. Whereas once you're a professional, once you're all like, well, I'm earning, and you go, Mum, can you be my guarantor? They go, do one, like, you're earning now, you do it yourself, you know? So uh, that's another reason, a professional, you, yeah, you really you get that. Um, so I've got a little list here. Eviction rates as well, it's a massive one. So basically with evictions, we've had zero evictions. We've never had to evict any tenants for any of our student properties, and we've had well over, well over a thousand tenancies. So, if you was to go into a judge, and I'd love to hear the stats on this, I, I can't find them anywhere, but I'd love to hear the stats on this. If you was to look at all the evictions for the last five years, I would love to know what percentage of those are students, because I reckon it would be minute. Because yeah, I, I, I guess it's because students come to an area to get a degree and they go back home or they go into cities of work or wherever. So they're less likely to stay in the area. Whereas if you go for a professional or a local that knows the area, he's got friends in the area, he's got a family in the area, he grew up in the area, he's more likely to just go, do you know what, I'm not paying the rent, you're going to have to evict me. I'm just going to stay here and, and, until you do. Whereas a student, they're just like, do you know what, I'm done with my degree, I just want to go and earn some money. You know what I mean? So the mentality is completely different. So hence why I'd love to know the stats on that. I could be wrong. Um, net profit, I put, put as um, as more um, for students than it is for professionals as well. I've done the comparisons on this. So the stats say that with a professional HMO, duration of the average professional HMO tenancy is about 10 months, give or take. Where, where in students, we're achieving 11 months. So it, it's, a, it's a brainer. So, and that's just one contract. And with professionals, they don't come group; they only come individually. So, um, so yeah, with students, they come as a group. They're, they're longer and they're more profitable, <coughs> and they're less risk. So it's just a win-win-win-win-win for me. Um, another one I put here is, is timing. So with students, there's a there's a cycle. Obviously, everyone starts uni in September. So therefore, you know, you can gear up the year to suit that term. Whereas with professionals, they can come every part of the year and they can come and go, come and go, it all depends on, on their situation. So I think students are predictable and then you could set up a business, you could set up your marketing around that timeline. Um, and then the last one I put, which is a big one, is council tax. So as you you may have heard, that there's room that would be liable for the council tax per room opposed to per dwelling. And obviously as for students, you don't have to pay council tax. So I was hoping that that would come in because that would make my business a bloody gold mine and really attractive to investors because if you as an investor, HMO professional investor, you have to pay 
council tax per room. So imagine if you've got like a 10 bed HMO, it's like you've got to pay £100 per room as opposed to £100 per dwelling. It's a massive difference. Whereas shoot less, don't have to pay any council tax because they're exempt from paying it. So yeah, I hope I've given you a long list of why I think student there for the best. Yeah. That's what I've wanted in on it. Very good list of reasons why you think it's the best strategy. So in terms of the 11-month tenancy, how does that work? So do you just charge them per month or do you charge them for 11 months and then divide it by... Yeah, so I about 80% of our tenants pay termly in, in time with their student loan. So, um, so yeah, it's like a normal tenancy agreement where you, yeah, you, you basically outline the monthly rent. And so the minimum term payment is every month. But as, as I said, about 80% of our tenants pay termly. So whenever their student loans come in, which I think is October, January, and then their next one is May, you just get like, like three months, three months, three months, which is brilliant because then it's like big surge, big surge, big surge. So it is, it's nice. Whereas with professionals, I guess, and they just do monthly, you know. So it's, it's steady. The students is a big influx, which is nice because then you can start investing and using that money for, for other things. Yeah. So is the twelfth month of every year? Is that just are all the properties empty then? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like our, that is like a mad rush, and every year it gets madder and madder because we've only got one month to fix up ninety houses. So that's oh, like three right. houses a day. So, so leading up to when they check out, we're kind of doing inspections on not on the slide, but we just we keep an eye on things. So then we we take the worst houses and go right. That's who we need to focus on first to get them cracked out. Thankfully, most of our students leave the houses in brilliant condition, like brilliant condition. Like our hats off to them. Like this year, I was really surprised how well they were. Um, but then we've got a team of cleaners, we've got a team of maintenance, and we'll draft them. In. Accordingly, just to, just to smashing it all out. Um, yeah, you really need that month to maintain properties because it's easy for anyone to rent out a brand new property. It's easy. That's the easy bit. Anyone can do that. That's, that's, that's not hard at all. Everyone loves shiny new beds and oh, that's never been slept in or used. Fantastic. What's difficult is three to four to five years down the line, and your properties are looking all tired, dated. Um, Tom, Dick and Harry have come into the market with brand new properties, fresh off a Samuel Leeds course. They, you're, you're not, do you know what I mean? So, um, and that's why I think the North is, is extremely more competitive than the South because Samuel Leeds is, he's like, everyone, go up North, go up North. And I actually went to one of Samuel Leeds courses just to check it out because one of my investors got a spare ticket. And how I knew I was onto an absolute winner was with shooting let things because uh, uh, someone said, oh, what about the student-led market? And I thought, right, here we go. What's he going to say about that? And then he turned out, he said, oh, I don't do students. And I was like, oh, my God. So if Samuel Leeds isn't pushing students, then I'm, I'm happy days because that means I'm doing something right. The fact that he's saying, no, I don't do students, and I'm making an absolute killing out of it, I just thought, well, there's a gap in the market, which even Samuel Leeds doesn't know about. And he, yeah, he, he, he's in the know. Um, so... I look at what he is pushing, and what he is pushing is cheap stock up HMO. So this is my point. It's easy renting out a brand new house. Easy. Because it's all shiny, glossy. That's the easy bit. It's three or four years down the line when it's looking a bit dated, tired. And that's why management is absolutely typical with HMO. So do you um, manage the doing up of your landlord's? 
properties as well. Yes, yes, yes. we manage. Do you manage the, so when you have the month between when the property old students leave and the new students come in, do you yes, yes. do those properties up as well, the landlords? Yeah, I don't personally, I, I try to step out as much as I can. I mean, obviously I step in where I can to, just to help out. Um, but yeah, like, it's a, there's a lot of prep leading up to that point, absolutely, yeah. So, like I said, how we do that, we, we identify the worst ones, like the ones that are a bit messy and, and yeah, they've been notorious for ages. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all about getting, just prepping people. So I, I'm having com conversations now with like gas engineers, um, gas taxis, uh, I'm having uh, talks with um, decorators, cleaners, just so that there's no surprises. Because I'd rather have oversupply of um, people doing stuff than, than none at all. And then and I'm like, crap, it's like a week left and still got 20 odd houses to prep. That'd be an absolute nightmare situation. So it's all about being prepared and that's why I like the student land market is because you can do that because you know when they're coming. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you've got the gap to do it and that, that's the time you need to do it, yeah. So do you have multiple teams working on different properties? Yeah, that's why I was um, Yeah, I've got about three, three, three sets of cleaners, um, countless maintenance, I'd say about four, four maintenance people that specialise in different things like decorating, guttering, uh, but they're all they're all willing to just like pick up a paintbrush, give it a little paint. Do you know what I mean? So they're, they've been with us now for a couple of years, so they know the standard that we that we want, and they know what to do now. Yeah, so that, that's good as well. So in terms of your properties, do you go with the same paint colour of paint and the same decor in every property? Um, I I do it like I'm in patterns, so yeah, I say it's like every three, and then I change it up every three, then I change it up um, because everything that I do it goes straight away. Obviously, the aim of the game is to future-proof your investment. So this, so I think this year I'm still all about the greys and the whites um, because that, that's the in thing at the minute. But now I'm looking online at some of these designers; they're doing it like half colours with like dark bold colours. Uh, wall light stuff like that so so yeah it's all about looking what's what's coming onto the market and staying ahead of it because like I say it's all about future proofing your investment and the, and the longer you can stay ahead with those little things the better because yeah otherwise you get someone who does do that and then you're like ah competition they're ahead of me they've got all these like LED lights they've got plasma TVs they've got all on suites they're ahead of me so yeah do you do you have on suites in all of your rooms. I try to. That, that's that's that's, a, that's definitely a trend I'm noticing. Is that anything? So we've got because of the property stock in the area, it's all terraced housing stock. So the typical layout is like three bedrooms upstairs, one downstairs reception, or two downstairs reception rooms, kitchen, then one bathroom. So it's hard to get en suites in because the houses aren't big enough for en suites in every room. So you you might be able to squeeze a second bathroom in, but the plumbing is all at the rear of the property, so it's difficult. So we're finding now that anything with, like, say, four bedrooms, one bath, bathroom, struggling, struggling to rent. So, um, but for example, landlords that listen, I said to them this, like I said, look, your your, your properties that asked to rent last year, how about putting it in the front bedroom? They've done that. It's one of the first to go. So, like, thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. So, do your landlords have preferences with? 
how they want it decorated as well, or do they just let you get on with that? It's a bit of a bit some, some landlords are brilliant, they listen to me and I get them results, whereas other landlords, they're very stubborn and, and they're like, no, I just want it my way, which you've got to respect, and I at the end of the day, it's their house, they can do what they like with. Um, and to be fair, as long as they're decorating it to some sort of standard, I'm happy, but um, but yeah, obviously I love the landlords that go, do you know what, Craig, yeah, you're right, what do you recommend? Um, let's do it your way. And then, yeah, we always achieve good results from that. So yeah, I'd say that they... We do get landlords both, but the majority of them listen to me, which is good. I don't know. Do you have any... Obviously, the student-let's market has a bit of a reputation because students, are, they're young and they, they're reckless, you could say. So, um, do you have any funny stories from your student-lets? Uh, I do, actually. What many? <laughs> sure, no, there's one of them. Um, basically, there was one um, one story. This is this this is a good one. Um, basically, we had a, we had a house where a landlord had given me his house to manage. Um, he was quite elderly. He's an elderly landlord. He's, he's retired, so he uses his property as his retirement fund sort of thing. So um, he was very proud of it, and he, he again listened. To he'd done the decorating and stuff like that but he came very late to the to the market so this was about August time he gave me the keys well finished and gave me the keys so I managed to find him four tenants right but um, early early on in the tenancy we realised that these tenants were not the best so there was neighbours complaining about music about drugs being smoked on the property stuff like that which we, we tried to come down on um, as much as Anyway, so I was typing up the inventory at the end of the deposit, 
and uh, it came in at like yeah, two thousand pound damage, and that they owed the thousand pound immediately. Otherwise, we'd seek to go to the, to the legal option. So I sent that off, and then I sent a copy of this warrant that, that I found in the, in the house with his signature and everything on it. And I sent this to him and it, with a little message saying, I'm just making you aware the landlord has asked me to also attach this to the inventory and send it to your guarantor. Bearing in mind, we, we never hear from these guys. Within 30 seconds, I had a, a reply going, please don't send this. What account do you want me to send the money to? <laughs> 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 and he paid up Yeah, I guess, um, was the guarantor his mum? Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> I guess when he heard she might find out, then he uh, panicked. <laughs> so, obviously you manage your landlord HMOs and you invest yourself in your personal portfolio. How do you go about splitting your time between growing your own portfolio and growing your management of the landlord's portfolios? So um, 
for me, I'm very firm, very clear. That's, that's the best way to be. I'm very honest and vocal about my strategy and what I want. If, if a landlord comes to me with a decent property and wants me to manage it, I'll manage it. That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. But um, I'm very picky on what I take on now for the management side because, like I said, we're, we're operating at maximum capacity at 90 houses. So anything I take on has to be very, very good. Otherwise, what's the point of taking on? Yeah. So in terms of buying your personal portfolio, would you be looking to buy the properties of the landlords that you manage because of the capacity? Yeah, I have. I've actually got a text on my phone which I received on Monday from a landlord saying, Craig, um, we're thinking about selling two of our properties. Do do you know anyone? Uh, And again, I've got joint ventures who I'm working with who are also active and I've said, look guys, we've got a direct-to-vendor deal here get a good rate, it's already up and running, I've already secured tenants for it for next year, so as soon as we get the keys, it's generating income, easy money. So yeah, definitely, the landlords do come to me and say, look, do you know anyone who wants to sell it? So I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah, which is, another, which is another great position. So the key to all of this, I think, is having your own agency. That, that's the key. That, that's, that's where I've always seen the power having your own agencies because you can, yeah, you can monitor everything. You can monitor the lettings, the management, the sourcing, the selling, the buying, and yeah, you, can, you just cover the whole property and you're in the market 24-7. So anything that comes, you can act super quick and, and people can't see you as, a, as an agent. If you're part of the community with an office in the middle of, in, in the middle of Gillingham, people know who you are and, and come to you. Yeah, whereas that, that's why I struggled as a, as an online agency because a lot of a lot of land, a lot of landlords are old school as well. So a lot of them will just walk in and they they want to look in the eye and shake your hand. You know, they're very old school. Where um, I say, oh, what's your email? They're like, I haven't got one. I'm only on the phone, and then they then they give me like a landline number, and I'm like, oh, well, like, so they're, they're very old school. So that's why I think the traditional office works very well. Yeah, so would you, obviously, the, you said the capacity is 90, which you said. Would you consider buying properties that come on the market that aren't, that you don't already manage? Or would you leave it in case you wouldn't be able to let them out because of the saturation? That's what I was saying earlier. So of my 90 properties, I know 20% of them are below par. So if I put the money and that property ticks my boxes, i.e. I can add value, um, it's in a great location, um, I could get yeah, on suites in there, stuff like that. I'm going to buy it because I know one of those 20 houses I'm going to knock off and this new one is this in. You know, this is why I'm screaming out for joint venture finance because the market is 90 houses, 20 of those 90 are below par and I know whatever I do going forward on my projects, I mean, my, my track record is I always let my properties out before they're finished. My, my most recent one I, I rented out uh, before I had the keys. It's still going through the home, but I've already secured a tenancy for it. They've already paid their deposit, already uh, paid their first month's rent, and I don't even own the house. That's madness. Like They'd rather go with me and my properties than search the market over something that's already up and running. It's that, that's, that's what I'm saying. That, that's the position I'm in. And that's why I'm screaming out for joint venture partners because there's money to be made um, because I'm at the great position where I've built this business and, and where I'm at. So Yeah, so obviously you're an agent who manages and deals with lots of landlords. 
What would you say is the biggest tip of being helpful towards an agent? Because obviously you get to see it from that perspective. In what way? So, as a landlord, when you're working with an agent, yeah. what would you say is the biggest way that you can add value and help that agent? Well, just make sure that your, your, your property is on par. So, if you're going for the student land market, speak to the student land specialists and take their advice on. So, what do they need? They, they, they need fast broadband, they need multiple bathrooms, they need quirky design. They need, if you give me a property that's cutting edge or that mate, you're my best friend. I'm like, I'm in Mr. Landlord. Yes, let's do some business, right? Let's negotiate. Um, this is what I do for you. Then we can work together because those are the people I want to work with that, that are at the top of their game because that's the brand and that's the image that I want my, my properties to portray. If you're a landlord thinks he knows it all, comes in and says, oh, this, this house has been rented out for the last 10 years to students. It struggled last year, hence why I'm coming to you. And I walk in there, it's got single beds, it's got like mould in the, in, in, uh, in the uh, corner, it's got a box room, that's another thing as well, Pete. She, like, landlords go, what, you can't rent that out as a single room? I'm like, no, it's a box room. Like, box room do not rent out for love nor money. I said, would you take a box room? And they're like, well, if I was a student, I'd take a box room. And I'm like, please. Like, the, the, the student mentality is, is completely changed. Like, what I try and teach landlords, they're coming from purpose-built, multi-million pound, they're state-of-the-art. What we are, are good value, is, uh, we're a better experience because the halls, they will, they, they, they cram you in, they cram you in, and ultimately, they're a corporation. At the end of the day, they're all owned by limited companies and corporations, and hello, they've got shareholders, so every year they raise the rents by 5% because the dividend payment has to go up 5% to, to please the... the that are, what's it called, the shareholders. So they're the biggest crooks of them all, on the, the halls. They, they say the landlords are the crooks. Landlords, are the, they're, they're taking a cut, I think, this year, tax changes um, and, and all the rest of it, like, um, well, the, the uh, wear and tear allowance, that's gone. So, yeah, the, la the private landlords, I'd say they're fair in comparison to the, the, the university halls, who are multi-million pound corporations. And out of greed, they make the rents like, like five pounds a week every year because, and they can't justify it. Like fair enough, a landlord says, look, I, I need to, I need to raise the rents because my roof's caving, and I need to pay for it. Fine, justify it, but with brand new developments, oh, we need to raise the rents by five pounds a year. Why? Well, we do. We just do. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. Um, that's my opinion on on the whole halls versus private housing situation. Yeah, because I guess a lot of people think that student lets wouldn't be profitable because of things like halls, but off of what you said, student lets with private landlords are actually far better than renting in a hall. They can be, they can be, yeah. the, the key is you've got to tick all the boxes with it, so you've got to have the property, the right property in the right location with the right service. That those are at the right price point. So I suppose there's four four points there you've got to get right. You get them wrong, the students go, oh, you know what, I'm just going to stay at halls because halls are expensive. They are. We save every student that walks through the door and comes with us. We save them on average about two thousand pounds a year. Two thousand pounds a year to a student is a lot of money. Um, and uh, why? Because people charge with roof rates. They charge so you have to charge for your washing and drying at five pounds a pop. 
and we get some complaints to say that it's faulty. So whenever you like scan your card, it will like charge you twice, and and still the warning will come out like smelling weird and stuff like that. So yeah, just just that. So that means the service is crap as well. They say they've got on-site security. All the security guy does is sit there on his phone all the time, like does nothing. Um, so so yeah, it's just, we, we hear horror stories all the time. So. Um, and also one other thing as well is that with halls you've got like eight to six to maybe ten people all sharing uh, like cooking facilities and a lounge and obviously you don't know these guys so you're just put with these people and let's just say for example you're into like you're, you're, you're an international student for example where the English where your degree they, they really look out for it they, they really respect it you're getting woken up every night by fire alarms going off by Harry Thor, who, who didn't be rave music, who's up until like 3 a.m. You've got Smelly Mary, who stinks, and, and our hygiene is the worst. And you've got Frank at the end of the hall, who just smokes weed all day. And you're like, oh my God, this is hell. Like, I, I want to get out of here. So we listen to those tenants. They're the ones who just want to come out of there. They want a, a house with four people that they know that, and they trust. And they, and they respect the house and they have a great time, they go on to get a good degree and they have a good job. So there's a definitely, you see it, you see it, you meet these people and they're, and they're, they're switched on and they're like, Craig, we hate halls. Like that, that's why we can't wait to get out of it. And this is why I'm shocked when everyone says, oh, the halls are taking over, the halls are killing off the private rented sector. I'm like, what are you on about? I'll tell you the opposite. I said, if that was the case, I wouldn't have a business. So something's not right. Either I'm doing something Right, that's just in Medway networks, or, or people are doing something wrong elsewhere. I don't know which which way it is. So, um, you say you tend to do a lot of joint ventures now. How do you go out about getting investors that want to uh, joint venture with you? At the moment, it's solely um, through Instagram. So, I've got quite a large following on there. So, I just get my phone out um, and, yeah, basically show people what projects I'm on at the moment. Um, I show people the, the numbers. Um, and just tell them that this is what I do day in day out, and that, that's what I think my, my Instagram is quite good for. It's, it's raw footage, like it's none of this professionally shot stuff. It's literally me and my phone on site, rain, wind, snow, whatever, and I'm just living it, doing it, and uh, yeah, just a chip today, you know. So that's what I think a lot of people find real because I'm not glamorous as I would mean, like property. HMO management is not in the slightest, it's hard work, but as long as you do it right, the money is good, and um, yeah, but I, I, hopefully I portray that, so, um, so yeah, question, how do I get them, it's just my phone, that's it, and hopefully things like this, uh, people see it, exposure comes out, and go, oh, they're crazy, something about, right, let's look at his Instagram, oh my god, yeah, he's, he's doing some good stuff, right, let's reach out to him, see what we can do, Literally, those are the conversations I've been having. It's like, okay, I've got 50 grand, 60 grand. Um, people have said as well, I've got 10 grand, 30 grand. Fortunately, in the southeast, that won't buy you a lot. You need at least, I'd say, about 50, 50k in the kit to really do anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how I do it. So, um, with your investors, do they have a property background? Have they invested in property before, or are they all just hands on? Some of them, yeah, completely, complete spectrum. Some of them are completely prestigious. So, what one investment property and one that I'm going for at the minute, um, they are complete, yeah, they're deal sourcing actually. They've just started deal sourcing. Oh, really? 
Um, yeah, they've, they've been going through on Rochester with me, and they really like the fact that I would give the exposure on how I saw the Basically, pick my brains and everything. Like, okay, how do you stack this up? How much would a HMO conversion cost? Um, all of that stuff, and that's what they want to go to. Um, and that's what it's all about, I guess, is to, to surround yourself with people and learn from people that are doing this. You can do it with them and learn quicker. Um, and then on the other side of that, I thought, yeah, property professionals that have been up, been up to like up north, um, they've been to London, they've been all over the shop, and yeah, they really like the way I, I work. Uh, they like my setup, they can see my advantages, they can see what I can bring to the table. And they're like, great, do you know what? Here's my money, just give me my investments, and uh, I can't wait to work with you on the other one. So, so yeah, it, it's everything from that to that and everything in between. Yeah, so um, going forward, do you look to um, doing JVs with investors all the time, or do you look to finance it for yourself? I'd say, at the end of the day, I'm only doing JVs, so to speak, because I haven't got the money in the bank. If I had the money in the bank, I'd do it myself. So, yeah. rather than let all these opportunities pass, I thought, you know what, rather than sourcing them and selling them for five grand, let's think, how can I, how can I get the most out of this long term? I think, you know, let's do the JV thing. Where we're 50 50 ownership, you front the cash, I'll do all the work, you sit back, watch the money come in, you can learn while I do it, and then once you're fully paid back, then do you know what, Craig, me and Craig are 50 50. So it's a win win, do you know what I mean? Whereas some people, they pay 25 grand for a course, they don't get any properties out of it, and then they're just sitting there going, oh, I just 25 grand, I've got nothing to show with it, do you know what I mean? So I'm saying, look, I don't sell courses, I sell opportunities to get a house. I'm guaranteeing you a house at the end of it. Um, and then you can take what you want up until that point. Or you can learn from me, I'll show you how to get it, run an agency, whatever. So that's why I think it's appealing, because I don't do courses. Um, I, I don't think it's right to teach public developing or anything from a classroom. Um, because you, you don't go to, do you know what, I want to lose weight. You don't go and see a PT and sit in a classroom and go, right, this is a He'll take you in the gym and will make you work out and he'll do the exercises with you. Same things apply applies here with the developing. You need to learn from the people that are doing it, I think. Yeah. So um, moving on to trainers a bit, are you like fully against paying for courses and do you prefer to for people to learn doing practical experiences rather than paying thousands for courses? I, I'm not against trainers, I think that you got anyone can spend their money on what they want. If, if that's how best they learn through yeah, sitting in a classroom and watching someone with a clicker and a spreadsheet and all that going through it, then, then fine, that, that, that's, that's great, you, you do that. But me personally, I'm more practical, I'm more hands-on, I look to learn, so it's so like sitting in a classroom, watching someone put me to sleep. Um, and, and I'm quite, yeah, I, I want to see it. I wanna see, if I'm spending all this money and I'm investing, I want to see it in action. I don't want to see examples or, like, on a... On a on a spreadsheet or on a presentation thing, I want to see real life examples. So, so yeah, I'm not against training. I think there's a there's a time and a place. I think if you're really, really beginning, starting out, and you're really risk averse, then yeah, go to one of these free events, build up your knowledge, network with people, go to a lot of profit events, go to them. I think that's beneficial. But but yeah, the problem I have is when people are selling courses for like tens of thousands of pounds, and uh, they're, they're targeting vulnerable people. Uh, who buy into it, um, and yeah, they, yeah, they've got no hope in how to, to get any properties. But yeah, their money's been taken 
and yeah, there, there's no one there to protect them. So that, that's what I'm against. And there's been a lot of bad press recently about that. So, it's, so yeah, that's box standard. So in terms of your own education and personal development, what do you do to educate yourself? Do you read books and go to networking events? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a massive fan of audio books. So I'll, I've got a long list of audio books I'm going to get through. I think there's about 100 on this list. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm the, the latest one at the moment is The Mindset of a Millionaire, which is double check what it is. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the main one at the moment. I think there's never a time where you should stop trying to improve yourself. So what tips would you give, or is there anything that you try and do to try and stay positive and happy? The end of the game for me, my life goal anywhere I go above everything is to inspire people. So oh, I get people that are messaging me saying, oh my God, I love what you've done here. You're a big inspiration, like the podcast. Oh my god, the love I'm getting from the podcast at the moment, and I hope I can get it off, off this video as well, is unbelievable. Um, and that's what keeps me going, because do you know what? No matter what life throws at me, like, shit, as long as my family are good, as long as I'm healthy, um, as long as there's money in the bank and put food in the fridge, I'm good, and there's a, there's a roof over my head. That's it, that's what it comes down to. But, you know, I've just got a mindset that I don't get too stressed out. You know, I mean, it takes a lot a lot to make me angry, a lot to, to make me stressed out. Um, so yeah, just, just just don't take it, don't, don't take life too seriously. That's that's me. I get in front of the camera and have a sing and a dance and and quite like light hearted because it's the way I am. Yeah, just be yourself, I guess. Uh, as we come in slowly towards the end of the interview, um, as 2020 has just begun, is there anything in this year that you want to achieve? Do you want to try and expand into a different area or anything specific? I would love to achieve um, move coming out of my business a bit more. I'm very hard on like I said, this can be a normal day for me. I just stay up in the office. Um, and I, I want to stop that. See, I've got teased by the place now. With my, with my fiance, we get married this year, so this will be, so there's going to be a family that follows. So obviously, when you when you change your circumstance like that, I get a family, get dependents. Obviously, your work has to change a bit. 
So I'm quite fortunate that way there. I've never had like um, any babies or any children to look after because otherwise my life could be completely different. So I'm able to commit the hours, put in the bar, and not have those people um, to look, look out for or care for. I don't have to be out. I don't have to and I will do. So yeah, definitely. So 2020 for me is about um, training my team internally to pick up the slack when I so when I step out of my business, just take a step back and, um, and enjoy life a bit more, like on more holidays. Like last year, I went on one holiday. That was that was a stag. Uh, the year before, I went on my seven holidays. So this year has been all about grafting, saving, because this house that I'm buying has really stretched us, um, as well as I'm buying like the six bed HMO stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm stretching myself, but um, but yeah, going going forward. time to end the podcast we want to thank you Craig for coming on today it's been a pleasure yeah and we want to thank you guys for listening as well and please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening and thank you for coming on Craig it's been a pleasure